You give him praise. That's how he loved you. <laughs> Can't find somebody to love you here. Don't you worry about it. King of the universe loves you. Praise God. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look, oh, precious is that flood that makes me white as snow no help I know nothing but the blood of Jesus you might want to sing this one oh Take it up. They're not done singing. Oh, 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 no precious. You ain't singing to me. Sing to him. Jesus, oh, 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 nothing but the blood of Jesus, yeah. nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look, let me tell you something. Before we even get started and have this word of prayer, I remember when Gatorade first came out. It's drink inside of this, 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 this aluminum cup. And I saw my older brother drinking it. He was done playing basketball and they were sweating and carrying on. And I saw everybody taking it to the head, just taking it to the neck. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I, I want to be like my brother. So let me try some of this Gator A. And I popped it open. I went outside and I put my hand on the hip like everybody else was doing and I took it to the neck and I said what is this mess I'm drinking this stuff is nasty but see there was a difference the people who were drinking it were thirsty and dehydrated and if you're thirsty and dehydrated Gatorade tastes like wine. But if you're not thirsty, it's not going to do much good for you. You're looking for something a little more sugary. When you're dehydrated and you're about to fall out, it's like the wine of the gods. But if you're not thirsty, 
It doesn't do you much good. Look, we're talking about nothing but the blood of Jesus. That may not be. It may be a little tasteless to somebody who doesn't really need it. But when you walk into a room and your reputation precedes you. And all the stuff that they said about you is actually true. And your guilt weighs you down. And you can't go anywhere because they already know who you are. And you just dying for something to wash away that guilt and that shame. When you've gotten desperate and you're at that point, the blood of Jesus is sweeter than anything you've ever known. No, it's all right. It's all right. If you, if the blood of Jesus is not quite to your taste yet, oh, don't worry. You just keep on living. You keep on living because your junk will catch up to you. And one day you'll get to the point where nothing matters like that blood of Jesus. You can take the world. You can take his money. You can take the economy. You can take all that stuff. But make sure you give me Jesus. I want Jesus. I want the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. Come on now. That only if you need it. Nothing the help I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No, no, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All right, God. It's your time now. This is it. And I promptly get out of your way. These are your people. They need you. They're hungry for you. And I wouldn't know what to say to your people. But you created them. You redeemed them. You started them and then you bought them back from sin. They're yours twice. We want Jehovah the Most High God. And his spirit to speak to his people. Rise and let your enemies be scattered. Let them that hate thee flee before thee. We wait with great expectancy to hear what you'll say. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Out of respect for the word of God, I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little different for you today. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. When you find this passage of scripture, I want you to stand with your word as we read. How many brought your sword with you? Yeah. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Anybody in here believe that Jesus Christ still heals today? He still intercedes for you up on the throne above. Okay, that's all right. Well, you might be convinced by the end of this service. Matthew 13, 24 through 
24 through 30. Why don't we read together? Verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Somebody say good seed. seed. All right. Good seed in his field. 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. They sowed what? Tares. Among the what? All right. Then went his way. Verse 26. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares. Bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let it get into you. You can be seated. This week we've been talking about Naaman. Naaman, a great man. A great man who stood before his king, the king of Syria. We discussed the fact that Israel was once again Acting brickheaded before God. They're going to worship other idols. So in punishment, he sends Syria to come and take Israel captive. In the midst of doing this, a mighty man, Naaman, the captain of the guard, heads up the companies that go and take Israel captive. He's a faithful man. He's an honorable man. And he's a man of valor. As he goes and takes them captive, he takes captive, his company takes captive a little girl. I don't know what family she was taken from or how old she was, but I have in my mind's eye that she was probably about as young as my daughter, who's five. Out of all the accomplishments this man has accomplished, There's one thing that he cannot change. And that is the fact that he has leprosy. So he immediately realizes upon getting this disease that has no cure. And that nobody understands that his days are limited. Begins to realize it actually doesn't matter how much you've accomplished in your lifetime. You're headed for the grave. No matter how much rich Riches you've accumulated, you you can't take that to the grave. Everybody in here doesn't realize that yet. 
You might be able to put doctor before your name, but in your grave, everybody's the same. Some of us haven't gotten that yet. Ground is level at the grave, six feet under. It's all level down there. I, you might have you won a whole lot of awards during your lifetime. But down there, everything's the same. They may bury you in a golden casket. 24 karat gold. But the bottom line is you're going to the same place. And he realized that there was nothing he could do. No more wars would change his outer condition. But what we realize is there was a greater inner condition that needed to be addressed. So this little girl in her simple faith decided to tell her master, her, his wife, you know, if he were in the land of Israel, even though they're taken captive right now, we're all serving other masters. If he knew that there was a prophet in Israel, he could be healed, and I'm sure of it. And we sat there during this week, and we gawked at this, this little girl's strong faith, simple faith. And as incredible as she might have been, discredited, he was so desperate that somebody said, you might want to listen to what this little girl is saying, because it's worth a try. And word got up to him, and got back to the king and the king because this man mattered so much to him the king says look go go to I'll write a letter myself put my own seal on it I'm sending it to the king of Israel get some money together we're going to send this and we're sending you and we're going to take a chance on this because this girl seems like her faith is pretty solid it's worth a try and so he and his company head out to Israel. As the king of Israel sees this coming, he knowing that there is no power. We talked about the fact that when you have no power in yourself as Christians, we often will cover ourselves with things that cause us to seem like we have something going on. We're naked on the inside, but we seem to be satisfied to be naked on the inside if I could just cover up the outside. I don't really feel a need to, to fortify what's going on in the inside. We made the connection as church people. The community needs us to step up and lead, but we don't have anything really to give them. What we do have is we have a whole list of religiosity. But they can't seem to utilize religiosity these days. Everybody seems to be putting it forth. They have a need for true godly power. And we realize that we don't have much of that. And so we cover ourselves. Just like Adam and Eve with leaves. We cover ourselves with our accomplishments, hoping that they might be so impressed that they don't ask anything further, but they are left hungry. We talked about the fig tree that Jesus mentioned in his parables. We talked about the fig tree that he actually walked by. He walked by this fig tree. It was full of leaves, but without figs. It looked beautiful on the outside. It looked accomplished 
and it looked as though it were in season to bear fruit. But if you'd lift up and remove the leaves, you'd find that just like us, it has no fruit. And Jesus, in his loving irritation, said, curse be this tree. You won't grow any more fruit from here on out. He wasn't just going around cursing trees. He was trying to warn Israel. I have planted you in the garden of God. I've pruned you and I've fed you and I've watered you. But you are bearing no fruit. And when other nations come by, all they see are these huge leaves, foliage of religiosity. And they cannot heal from that. You know, the thing that I forgot to mention is if the tree had not such pretentious leaves, God could deal with the tree the way the tree was. If the, the leaves were dried up and, and blown and, and blasted with the wind, then he could say this tree needs help. Let me address the tree according to its need. But the tree proclaimed that it needed no help. The green full leaves, the foliage declared unto everybody that walked by. This tree is in need of nothing. But you walk by and you can't find any fruit. And so the king of Israel had nothing to offer. And all he could take this, this offering was as a threat to him. That the king of Syria was trying to pick a fight. And he turns to his people and says, will you... Will you look at this? Am I in the place of God now? That I can heal a man of leprosy? And he rips his royal robes. Elisha hears about it and says, Gird yourself up, king. And, and, and walk like a king from here on out. Send the man to me, please, so they can know that there's a prophet in Israel. And so... We talked about how Naaman uh, uh, got his royal host together, his men of war, in a full array, got his chariots and his horses, and they all started heading over to where the man of God lives. We thought and surmised that maybe he still lived in Dothan, way out in the country. We surmised that maybe his house wasn't all that big, so you got this huge royal caravan heading toward this humble little house. And he gets to the house and he sends his servant to knock on the door. And the servant of the man of God comes to the door. He disappears back. He comes back to the door and comes out and says, the man of God tells you, go to the Jordan River. And dip yourself seven times and your flesh will come back to you. But we talked about the fact that instead of heading off to the Jordan in need of healing, his real disease now comes to the surface, his pride. Oh, we talked yesterday about pride. That pride that pulled a third of the angels out of heaven. That pride that, that exited the mighty angel of God that ministered before him day and night. It ejected him from heaven because he would not let go of his pride. And we talked about how those leaves that we surround ourselves are often pride. Accomplishments. And the one thing that could keep us from healing 
is pride. And Naaman leaves this man's house angry and upset because the man of God would not come to the door. What an insult. After all he's accomplished. After who he stands before. All of these military campaigns I've carried out with due success. These people are watching me behind me and you can't come to the door. But the man of God had already given him instructions for healing. And so last night we had to sit here and talk about what's more important. Your pride. Maintaining your facial appearance or healing. Which one's more important to you to maintain? Is it worth all that? To walk away from the instructions of God. Often God gives us instructions that are simple in nature. But calculated to cut across your pride. Because deeper pastor than leprosy is. Deeper than leprosy, incurable as it is, pride is even more deadly. It's the sickness on the inside that threatened to kill this man. Because it's that pride that just might keep him from receiving healing for his outer leprosy. And so when God initiates healing with us, he often begins by breaking that pride. That's what we talked about. I hate that some of y'all missed that. Huh? Holy Spirit was moving. And he leaves in a huff. And as he leaves. And he's going off on the man of God. No doubt. His humble servants. Pull him aside and say sir. Out of all due respect. Out of all due respect. If. Pay attention people of God. If he'd have asked you to do something complex and deep, you wouldn't have wasted time to get it done. If they'd have asked you, run a tent meeting for five or six weeks and healing will come at the end of this tent meeting, you would have done it. Because that has a lot of shine to it. I can see myself doing that. The more publicity you bring to it, I, I, can, I can get that done. I do that every day. But how much more this simple instruction, wash and be clean. So often your healing will be hidden in instruction that just seems beneath you. You can be healed of your emotional uh, 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 shackles, your emotional uh, handcuffs by just going and apologizing to that person you offended. But it's too simple and it's too humiliating and it's too beneath us to actually humble yourself and go to somebody to make that thing right. We're going to wait until they get it. And they come to me and they ask for my forgiveness. Then I'll allow myself to be healed. But see, I've got to hold this thing against them. Because if I let it go, who else is going to remember the wrong they ever did to me? i got to hold them hostage. I can't afford to let them go. And the instruction is too simple. If they ask. 
asked you to do something deep with a whole lot of pub to it, no doubt you get it done. But how simple wash and be clean. Look, we could do that on the way home. No, but you don't understand. I got rivers of water in my country that are cleaner than this. They're bigger than this. They flow strong. He's asking me to dip in the nasty Jordan River. And I'm a man of the king. And we talked about how we often confuse the fact that this is not about rivers of water. This is not about how much money you have to pay for this healing. It's not about payment. It's not about rivers. This is about healing at pride. You see, he keeps giving the wrong, wrong answers, not the appropriate answers. It's not about rivers. Yes, they're cleaner. This is about faith, though. And so we finally talked about how Naaman, in front of his entire guard, had to strip down, take off his clothes, take off those outer garments of pride, those outer garments of accomplishment, he had to take them off. His people learned how to respect him from all of his accomplishments and the things he did, but he had to take this stuff off. When it was all said and done, he had to put away everything that he had accomplished, take off that purple heart. Take off those robes of excellence, those robes of self-righteousness. He had to strip down. And he had to do it in front of his guard. Nothing probably more humiliating for him than to have to obey this homely country man of God. We're not even sure this is going to work. But you mean to tell me I got to take all this stuff off in front of my people? Don't you see how it was calculated to cut across that pride? See, if you didn't look close enough you would think that he was motivated by all his accomplishments. That's how he ran. It started off saying how honorable he was, how venerable the man was. But now he's in a position of complete humility, doing something absolutely stupid. Dip in the water seven times. You know how many times I dip trying to wash this stuff out of me? And in dipping and in removing all this stuff, everybody was able to see clearly all the marks and the scars of leprosy. The nastiness, the deadness, his skin with, with blood that had ceased to flow. Now he's fully exposed. We talked about the fact that the withered man with the withered hand had to extend that withered hand before Jesus could heal it. Expose it to the public. Man, I didn't plan on preaching this again, but maybe God didn't get to everybody. And maybe that's why he's leading me to do this. Sometimes you got to expose that thing. And show everybody the deadness of your situation before healing could come. But all I have to do is ask you what matters most to you. Is it more important to keep that thing concealed? Keep that form of godliness? 
or to actually be healed on the inside. What's more important to you? We might want to close this sermon out right now. What's more important to you? Because it's if you're healing, then you need to go through with the process. So he wades out and he gets into the water. The humiliation. He begins to dip. And he comes up. There's mud and there's dirt running down throughout his sores. And he has to ignore it and dip and come up again while his captains and his majors and his admirals are looking at him, watching him. He's got to go down. He's got to dip again three times. He comes up. His generals are paying attention. The scribes are writing this down as he's doing this stuff. He's got to keep dipping. It's four times. Nothing has changed about him on the outside. But something is changing on the inside. He keeps dipping. Five times this man goes down. Something about him now doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Because he wants healing. He dipped six times. Nothing has yet changed. But on the inside, something's opening up to Jesus Christ. Now he dips for the seventh time. And when he comes up. I'm not sure his majors and his generals have ever seen skin this beautiful before. When he comes up this time, they don't know what happened to the leprosy if it's flowing down the river now. But something changed. Wait a minute. Something changed deeper than that. On the inside, pride was broken. The deeper hold on humanity had been broken. And the outer healing was just an outworking of the inner healing. Oh, pay attention. Please pay attention. Pay attention. It's not about you going to therapy. It's not about you having to. It's not about all that kind of stuff. The inner healing precedes your outer healing. If he heals you on the outside but doesn't change the inside, the outer disease will be back in a matter of time. If he doesn't heal that pride on the inside, you will surely walk away from this healing and you will remain the same person that you were before. You have the audacity to claim credit for the healing. Think you won't? That's why he has to go through such measures to make sure that you can't claim no credit. He has to make sure that the route that you take completely shuts down humanity. So you couldn't say it's nothing but God. That's why oftentimes he waits for you to exhaust all your options. I don't know why we're like that, but it's just something. I want to say that I, you know, I, I, you know I, I knew then that chemotherapy was the way to go. I, I had tried all other things, but something inside me told me, you know, I think I need to go by chemotherapy. And, I, you know, my faith really never failed. So uh, I just accepted the, the, that this is the way to go. And No, you didn't accept it. God healed you that way. You're not even sure that it was your doctor that had anything to do with it. 
The way that he does this thing is so he can get the glory. You know that there is a God in Israel when it's all said and done. Now look. We watch how he came back to the man of God. And he says to him, now I know that there is a God. And this is what I really want you to do. Please take the money I have. Man of God. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. You keep your money. So I need you to understand it was never about what you could offer me. You don't have anything to offer. It was never about what you could give God. You don't have anything but your heart that's worth anything for him. Your years of experience. Your years, your, 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 uh, your years at the job that you've been at. Your tenure on the board. That's nothing to offer him. It was never about you being worthy enough. You're not worthy enough. He heals you because he loves you and just wants to see you healed. So keep your money. It's an insult to God. And put it away. And he says, look, just ask the Lord to forgive me this one thing. My my king has to go and he still believes in this other idol, Remen. And when he goes in the house of worship, just forgive me because he has to lean on my arm. And, and see, I don't believe in that God anymore. But I got to assist this king. So if you could just forgive me for even looking like I'm bowing to another God other than the most high God. That's when you know that pride has been broken and healing has occurred. And then we finished up last night talking about his meeting with his wife. Nobody knows how long ago they had taken their last embrace. But to be able to pick up his kids and touch his kids without fear. Thank you, God. Touching his kids without fear of infecting them. A disease we're suffering with. We know that if we don't let God do his thing, our touch is going to infect them in their lives. You're still angry over that abuse that happened. You still can't bring yourself to forgive the accusers. But if you don't allow forgiveness to come into your heart, you will pass that same disease on to your children. By nature, they will repeat your same curses. And those of you with some sort of insight realize the cycle's got to be broken now. I know what my family has suffered. I know that my, instead of being intimate, I've been more interested in having sex with my wife. I said instead of being intimate, 
For fear of intimacy, I will keep myself at my job. For fear of intimacy, I will make another excuse not to have to talk to her. I'll say that I'm so busy that I only have time to go to bed. Maybe hook up for a couple of moments and then I'm asleep for fear of intimacy. And your, your relationship dies right there. We find excuses not to be men of God that we should be at home. And that attitude will be passed on to your children. But now that he's healed on the inside, he can touch and embrace his children without fear of contaminating them with that inner disease. Who you see why you got to get healing. It's not just about you. It's about those people around you that need healing. Because right now they can't come close to you. Your deadness might be passed on to them. And so he embraces his children. And he embraces his wife. Now we get to the real point of this message. In Matthew 13, Jesus talks about a parable. And he talks about a farmer that's planted seed. But sometime during the night, an enemy has come by and he's sown tears. As they start to grow up. The people begin to realize with their keen eyes that this is not wheat that's growing up. These are weeds. In such abundance it's been sown that it's obvious that an enemy has come through while we were not looking. And it's sown tears among the wheat. When I'm at home and I have to tend to my landscaping and, and, and the landscaper has just come through and he's put all this mulch down and everything looks beautiful. But then I begin to see these little buds of weeds that are coming up underneath. And I know I need to go and I pull them up. I know how this thing is. You walk by a couple of days later and you see a couple of sprouts and what you see on the surface is not indicative of what's going on underneath. Because there's a root system that formed underneath that was there before I ever saw anything on the surface. And so it behooves you to pull that stuff up as soon as possible. So the people, the workers come to the farmer and they say, look, somebody's sown weeds. Should we go and pull it up now? And he says, pay attention. Hold up. Because a lot of these sprouts look alike. See, in the early stages of growth, we all kind of resemble each other. Weeds and wheat kind of look the same when they're first coming up. If you are to execute harvest today, you will most assuredly pull up wheat. So I need you to wait. If Christ were to come today, 
some of us who are under construction will be taken as weeds. Because see, we, we're still talking the same way that the wicked talk. We still kind of cuss the same way they, they cuss. You hear a Christian cussing and you hear a wicked person cussing. It really sounds kind of the same. In fact, you might be a little more convinced by the Christian. If he were to come today and they check the bars, you might find some of us still over there taking drinks. If he were to find some of us today, you might find us still shacked up because some of us hadn't moved out yet. And if he were to execute harvest today, some of the possible wheat would be pulled up with the wicked. So my message to you is, while under construction, you might want to be patient. You don't know everything. I can't look at you and feel like, oh, this woman is not a woman of God. I have no idea what's going on in the inside. You may find out in the day of judgment that she wakes up as a sheep and I wake up as a goat. Because see, when you're looking on the outside, when you're looking on the outside, I'm looking at appearances. Only God sees through to the heart. Only he knows what the root system has been doing under the surface. I can only tell by, I sit here and think, oh, I've seen you come to church. You've never missed a single Sabbath of church. You've never missed a Sabbath school. But I keep missing on the inside that pride has never released its hold on you. So there will be people truly in heaven that you didn't expect to be there. Oh, you got to be kidding. I know sister so-and-so ain't there. I saw that guy sat next to her. I know good and well she ain't supposed to be up there. And don't realize the perspective from which you are speaking. You can't see how the Holy Spirit moves. You don't know from whence the Holy Spirit came. What that means, let me decode it for you. You don't know when the Holy Spirit started working with her. You don't know what battle she had to go through to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. But apparently, one day she let go and let God. And while you were trying to figure out what was wrong with her, you held on to your leprosy. You got the nerve to judge what's going on with her. She's under construction as you should be under construction. And the only difference will be who will let God have his way in their life. Oh, don't be fooled, church of God. Don't be fooled that you've been in here for 50 or 60 years. And that by itself is your ticket into the kingdom. Please, please, please. When the Bible says, look, people will be coming to me saying, Lord, Lord, we ran 10 meetings in your name. We ran Bible studies in your name. We actually cast out demons using the name of Jesus Christ. We did all these wonderful works. We had many souls to be baptized. Surely you don't mean what you're saying. 
And he says, look, on the inside, you did all this on the outside. But on the inside, you died to me years ago. You know how to pronounce my name, but you don't know who I am. And consequently, I don't know you. When God gets to the point, the God who's omniscient, the God who's omnipresent, when he says, the one who knows you inside and out, what does it mean when Most High Jehovah says, I don't know you? He knows everything. There's nothing that can be hidden. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. How can he say he doesn't know me? Because knowing him involves you surrendering your life. And every minute, every minute that you hold back from God is another minute that that leprosy works its way throughout your body. That disease on the inside, that resentment, that lack of forgiveness, that pride, it's working its way a little further into your limbs. Blood flow, the blood flow of Jesus Christ is being constricted. And soon you will get to the point where you don't even realize your finger has fallen off. You stopped feeling years ago and don't even know that a part of your limbs is missing. Okay, I'm I'm talking about leprosy. Let's talk about real stuff. You stopped feeling years ago. You don't even realize that you cease to be kind to people. You don't realize that natural affection has left your being. You cussed that sister out for walking in with a dress too short and didn't realize that grace had left you. Or you wouldn't still have the words to condemn somebody else. When you turn that young man out because you saw yourself in him. You realize that he's exactly where you were 20 years ago and you rattle off in denunciations on him. It's funny that you know exactly what to say. How do you know what he's been doing for the last 20 years unless you've been there? wondered why the prodigal son's brother knew exactly what the prodigal son had done while he was gone. He hadn't even been home long enough for anybody to sit there and talk to him, but the brother seemed to know he spent his inheritance. He went out with riotous living and you killed the calf for him. How'd you know what he did? Unless the two of you all talked about this kind of stuff. He was just the one who went out and did it. But now he's in a better position because he's gone out. He's blown everything that he has. He needs Jesus and realizes what grace does for his life. And he's come back and say, I don't care if you never accept me as a son. Just let me be a doorkeeper. That pride was killed on the inside. But 
but you've been sitting in the house all this time and nothing has changed with you. And you don't understand why God is throwing him a party. Don't you judge people who are going through their construction period. You don't have the time to sit there and figure out what's going on with them. If you had your druthers about you, you get yourself in line. Let that grace work for you. Instead of worrying about what everybody else does. So the best thing that happens now, watch according to this parable. He says, wait until harvest season comes. With harvest season comes the latter rain. As that latter rain comes and it's raining down on the crops, the crops begin to grow up into their fruition, into what they are. And all you have to do is wait now. Because a tree is known by its fruit. Weeds cannot perpetrate as wheat, but for only so long. As the Holy Spirit is poured out in its fullness, its true self will come to be seen. Oh, you were sitting there looking at the people next to you cross-eyed because you don't know where they came from. Just wait. By their fruits, you'll know them. By the way, until you can start loving people, you ain't in no better position. Till you can start embracing people and allowing forgiveness to happen to you. You ever wonder why you can't bring yourself to forgive certain people? Because you ain't let forgiveness happen for you. You don't know how to forgive if you'd really be honest. And so that little simple command, wash and be clean, just forgive her. Because it's not just about forgiving her. It's about you learning how to forgive yourself. And as you have practice forgiving her, you can possibly forgive yourself for what happened. And when forgiveness really happens like it's supposed to, you find that you can embrace all. You know what? It doesn't matter what you did in your lifetime. What they said about you actually might be true. Where they said you've been, that may actually be true. What they said you did, you might have actually done. But according to God's grace, who you say they are is not who you are. And so when I realized that, and I realize I'm screwed up from the root. And God is working on me. Hallelujah. He's healing me. Then I can let you off the hook. That's all right, brother. He's working with you. Go on and just, just be patient with him. I can be patient with you because he's being patient with me. And I wouldn't dare say that to you and, and cut your time short. And, and, and send out judgments on you because it just might happen to me. So you take your time. You get that thing right. In fact, I come over here and I'm praying with you. I know how to pray with you because I go through that same stuff. I know how to get down on my knees and pray for that thing because I've been praying all night about myself. I'd be happy to pray for you like that. So the latter rain gets poured out and everything grows up to its full fruition, its full maturity. And then, servants, you'll be able to see Truly what is fruit, truly what is wheat, and what are tares. Then, gather up the tares. 
put them in bundles. Prepare them to be burned. Then gather up wheat. Put them in bushels and take them in my storehouse. Don't you start messing with people around you. We don't know who in here is wheat and who's tears because everybody looks alike right now. While everybody's under construction, everybody looks the same. Now I'm about to have to go. But before I get out of here, first I got to tell you I love you. And don't misread my intensity. My intensity is I've been through a lot. My mouth has been shut for a long time. I've not been able to speak a long time. God just had me observe for years and years. When I wanted to be able to say something, it's like, "Mm -mm, keep your mouth shut, just watch. So I've seen people die in their pride. And I've watched people, instead of choosing to heal, they choose to surround themselves with those flimsy leaves. And opt not to have anything on the inside. And I've watched people die like that. So when I come to you and I'm warning you through my experience, it's all love. But there's an intensity because my ministry is I want to see people heal. Don't you feel like that sometimes? If you sit here and you know that the cure is right in front of you and it's a matter of them just reaching out and getting to the cure, don't you get upset when people refuse to get to the cure? It almost makes you indignant. So don't mistake my intensity for anger. It's not anger. I love you guys. You'll see it when we get to the kingdom. It'll be fully manifested. Yeah. You'll be able to see. But nothing motivates me like the light going on in people's heads. I need healing. I want healing. And I know my job is accomplished. So first, I love you. But second, there's some people in here who haven't made their calling and election sure. You're still floundering. You're still going back and forth. You're still ticked off at the person next to you. And you haven't made your decision yet. There are some people who came up last night, and those same people, when I make this call, I need you to come up, and this why. Because unless we know specifically what you need, it's a guessing game for us. And I'm not for guessing games. If you have the courage to stand up in front of everybody else and say, I need help, then we have an obligation to make sure your needs get addressed. You are like spiritual babies that have decided to be born into this hospital. And it would be a crime if we allow you to be born and then leave you on the table, bloody, still tied to those things that you were birthed out of give us a chance to take care of you give us a chance to nurture you give this church a chance to start up the ministries 
that would help facilitate your continued healing. Think about it. You make this change, you got to go home to the same house you were. The influence there is, it seems to be greater than the influence here. Unless you surround yourself with people who are about the same thing, it will be easy to fall back into what you were in before. Even the Bible says, look, demons were cast out of the man. They went into a far country. They couldn't find any rest, so they came back to the place where they were cast out and found it swept and garnished and polished and, and, and clean washed and bleach washed and perfect. But nobody lived inside. And so the demon said, not only am I getting back in, but I will find seven more demons more wicked than myself. And we all getting back in because I'm not coming out the second time. And so there must be a reality of no vacancy when these demons come back. Nothing for them to fill. Not only do you need to be delivered from what you're delivered from, but it's got to be replaced with functional health. Or you're a sitting duck for your same habits to come back. For that same resentment to come back. So I need you who have come up to come up one more time. I promise you, I hope that you won't have to do this, but one time. And we need to get your information and get what you need. It'll be private enough so that you, everybody they, doesn't have to know what your situation is. But we got to know how you need help. Now, as they make their way out, here's the invitation for you. As the Holy Spirit is moving upon you now, you know you need help. You know you need Jesus. You know you need healing. You've been, been in an unhealed state for years. And the Spirit is moving upon you right now. It's that Spirit that makes you so restless. You know it's true. That thing that you're fighting against right now. If you are in the midst of the struggle, that means you're being called right now. If you're being called, it is your choice to answer. Surrender and submit to the spirit that's working on you. Naaman was healed from the inside out. You need to be healed from the inside out. If you feel him knocking on the inside, that is healing. That is Jesus Christ. He wants to come in. He will not force himself into your life. He won't come at you with some overmastering power of will and take over your life. You have to let him in. He created you with the power of choice. And he's not now going to run over that power of choice after he's paid for that power of choice with Jesus Christ. It's the one thing he will not do, force himself on you. Because he wants love from choice. He wants chosen love. And he calls you right now. If that's you, join us up front. This is the beginning of a process. Your healing could come immediately. Or it might come within a process. It's according to what you need.
But you have to answer. Couple of more minutes. If you feel him moving, let go. Let go. Surrender. Let it go. Submit to him. Let it go. Is it embarrassing to be able to, to have to to have to admit that you have a problem? Fine. Look at all these people up here. Tell the truth, all of us have issues. They just had the courage to come on up and say, look, I need healing. I need you to work on me, Jesus. I have floors that you need to tear up. I got spirits I need you to tear down. I'm like demons that need to be cast out. Strongholds that need to be broken into and broken down. I need help. You don't know what it sounds like. You don't know how to say it. Say it with Peter. Lord, save me. Three words. Lord, save me. Not some long drawn out prayer. Not some flowery petition. Lord, save me. He didn't have time to say anything else before the waters engulfed him. You're in that same situation. You really don't have time. You don't know what today is going to bring. If you can get out, Lord, save me. It is sufficient to grab onto the Lord's help. And he will come and grab you up just like he did Peter you have to let him in one more minute anybody in the balcony if you're old enough to understand what I'm saying then you're old enough to make a decision anybody in the balcony looking at me struggling if you feel that push don't make the Holy Spirit work harder like that the next time you may not be so inclined to hear him if you hear his voice answer now oh praise God one more is there somebody else You know what, if you can't do it, if you, if you raise your hand, I'll come up and walk you down. You just need somebody to walk with you. I, I, we'll come and walk you down. You need healing. We'll come walk you down. We'll come walk you down. Pastor. I want everybody that in some way or another if the word of God said anything to you anything I want to invite you to stand it said anything to you if God touched you now want us to fill this place with intercession and prayer.
I want a clean heart today. I want healing today. There are individuals under the sound of my voice who, like the pastor, you have lived under the bondage. Listen to me. You have lived under the bondage of approval addiction. What I'm saying is, is if you have to choose between your reputation and your healing, you'll take your reputation every day because you just want people to feel like you made it. We are such and such a family. We are such and such an individual. I am so and so leader of the church. You are tied to that thing. And what you need to do is what Naaman did. And that's strip. That's humble yourself. That's embrace humiliation so that you can be healed. God, I pray right now. Break down pride. Break it down. God. Your prophet Ellen White says that the sin that is near incurable is pride. Lord have mercy. I ask one more time. Is there anybody here today that wants to be free from some junk, some mess that's beneath the surface? And you've been so worried about what Glenville folk think and what other folk think that you won't even walk down the aisle. I plead right now before it is too late. Move in the name of Jesus just as a, a step toward saying I want to be healed. And if it, if it requires me to get up in front of folk that have thought about me in such a way, if that's what it takes, I'm so desperate to be healed. I don't mind. I will move. I want to be healed. Is there somebody else needs to be in this number? This appeal is too easy for you to walk away from. He didn't ask you to be baptized. He didn't ask you to join a church. He didn't ask you to confess your sins before a crowd. He said, do you want to be healed? Is there, is there anybody else in here that wants healing? And I hear some of you now. Do not let the enemy tell you. It doesn't take all that. I don't have to go down there in order to be healed. And Naaman did not have to listen to Elisha in order to be healed. But 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 if he wanted to be healed, he had to obey the man of God. And I'm telling you right now, walk in obedience to what thus saith the prophet. Move out of your seat if you want to experience new life, new healing, freedom, victory. Do you want it? Move. I believe that the power of God is all over us right now. If we will just walk in obedience and say yes to his will and yes to his way. This is what God is doing in this church. We've got to go, but can I tell y'all something? God couldn't have picked a worse time to bring me to Glenville. With all the stuff that's going on in my life right now. With all the stuff that was going on when I got a call to come. I said, you're picking the wrong time, Lord. 
I don't feel like being bothered with mess. I don't feel like I don't feel like dealing with people. I'd rather not even pastor right now because of all the hell that's going on in my life. I don't feel like doing this. And now I realize why God said I'm bringing your butt here because if I can heal you while you're going through what you're going through, then I can use you to spark a healing and a revival in the church. So hear me now. I hope you ain't mad at me. I hope you ain't, and I don't care. But I want to know today, uh, do you want to be healed? Let go of your arrogance. Let go of your pride. Let go of your pride. And get out of your seat in your nice suit with your good reputation. And come down here right now and admit, I don't have it together. I don't have it together. I need God to change my heart. I want us to begin to open up our mouths right now and begin to call on the name of the Lord. Whatever you stand in need of right now, I want you to open up your mouth and plead the blood of Jesus. I don't want you to pray. I want you to pray like your life depends upon it. Ask God right now for what you want. Cry out unto him right now for what you need. Petition the throne of grace right now for victory. Petition the throne of grace right now for healing. Cry out unto the Lord. Don't worry about who's looking at you or who's listening to you. But I want you to get right in the presence of God. Get up into his throne room. Get right in his lap and tell your daddy what you need. Tell him right now. God, heal the, heal the sexual abuse, heal the verbal abuse, heal the emotional abuse, heal the religious abuse, heal right now the unforgiveness, heal the bitterness, heal the pride, heal the anger, Lord, heal the anger, God, take it away right now and the, by, the, by the authority of the name of Jesus, God, I, just like the apostles, in the name of of Jesus. Come on, say it, say it. In the name of Jesus, God, we petition you right now. Heal us, Father, from the inside out. Still in prayer by the 
I love this. Lord, I'm not worthy of all these blessings. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you thought enough of us to give us four to five days to put us under construction. And I thank you because I feel healing already taking place. <laughs> I feel a healing already taking place. And it hadn't been by might, it hadn't been by power, but it's been by the Spirit of the Lord. Bless Joey Kiffle, Lord. Thank you for sending him here. Help him to catch his flight. And as take six ministers tonight and tomorrow, be with them and bless them as well. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, there's a whole lot of us that are here today. But if you came for healing, this is what I want you to do. As soon as the benediction is over, we're going to have a special prayer. I want you to go back to your seats. Do not allow going back to your seat to prevent you from getting what you want. Now, this is what we're doing. We are prepared as a church to follow up in a very specific way to help folk heal and grow. If you know you need more than just coming down, hear me. If you know you need, if you, if you know you need more than just coming down the aisle for an appeal, I want to invite you as soon as the service is over to meet me right down here in the front. Is that all right, everybody? Can you do that? Now, now this ain't for everybody. But if you know you need more than just coming down and being prayed for, but you need some stuff after that, you need to be challenged spiritually. You need to be challenged as related to healing. If you know you're that person, I want you to meet me at the end of the service down here in the front. And by the grace of God, we're going to help you. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. You may return to your seats as we thank the Lord for how he has moved today.